0: Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various aspects of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. Robert Kane. I'm Rick Romlick. Hey, I was going to say, who the are you? Come on now. I'm
1: here. I'm here. We're the
0: co-hosts, and I'm coming to you live—not really live. It's <laughs> the gut check, would say, from Topsail, North Carolina. What's in Topsail, Rob? Uh, the, beach, all the right. beach. We're on vacation. Good. But hey, what are we getting into today? We're continuing our study in Joel. We're, all we're, we're talking about Joel.
1: That? We're going to talk about uh, the Lord scorching the earth, bringing judgment uh, to the people. Mm. The Lord also, um, Joel crying out to the Lord for his deliverance. And we're also going to talk about Rob doing some push-ups for the combine. hey Enjoy. You look good there. The beach in the background, the ocean, yeah,
0: waves Yeah, I look crashing. like I just got
1: out of bed. Totally disheveled. And, you, and you're beside the bed, so did you? Did you just like roll out? No. Did I, you just uh, wake up?
0: You, no. you have a little no, rough no, 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 night? No. Yeah? Nope. I oh. have been sitting out. So, listeners, uh, I'm coming to you live, <laughs> but not really live, from yeah, you are Top sale. I'm going to Rick live. Top Sail Beach. <laughs> Yes. Or Topsail Island. Or if you're from here, it's not Topsail, it's Topsail. So that that's where I am. And so we're on vacation and we have a little deck where you step out and you're looking at the ocean, which is really cool. But that means it's really breezy. And so when I sit out there, and I, I've spent a good amount of time out there, I come back in and it looks like I just came out of bed because the wind's just blowing <laughs> in my hair so much that my hair goes all kinds of crazy. So you saw that on the
1: Marco I sent you yesterday. Beach life, man. It's just tough being at the beach. Yeah, you know. Did you see that Marco? I did see it. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. I do. I'm there. I'm there. L- <laughs> we listeners. wish you were here. You were. You were invited. <laughs> do I do? I I, you I genuinely out on us. wish I was there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was gonna say though, I want the listener to take note. Listeners to take note. We only have one.
0: <laughs> you uh, you listener out there, you faithful, <laughs> steadfast listener.
1: <laughs> uh, Rob is on vacation and yet he is taking time out to record. Rob, we, we thank you for that. On behalf of the people of Simple Theology,
0: on we behalf thank of the good you. people,
1: <laughs> fly over country, Simple of, <laughs> Theology. I'm a br- <laughs> grateful nation. That's right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so, so how is it going? You're Dude's on vacay, going really bro. Well.
0: Yeah, we're on vacay. Yeah. Um, we're about halfway through now, but it's been going really well. Girls been loving it. We've spent some time, good amount of time at the beach, good amount of time at the little pool that they have down here, which I'm starting to think that I am way more of a pool guy than I am a beach guy. And I love being near the beach. Yeah, but actually yeah. going on the beach and everything getting sandy and um like wind blowing in your like the wind blowing sand in your eyes the salt water does not feel good in your eyes like the whole thing True. Is, is just constant yeah maintenance it feels like while you're down there and a pool you hop in and you feel clean because it's got all kinds of chemicals to make you feel clean and it's refreshing and then you get out and you sit on a recliner that does not that is not covered in sand so when mm-hmm. you sit, you don't have a ton of sand sticking to you. Mm. You sit down, dry off. You can read a book if you want. But yeah, I think I'm way more of a pool guy than I am a beach guy. But I do really love
1: being close to the beach. But yeah. I'd like to be close to the beach while in a pool. No, I'm with you on that 100%. I think that um, I don't even know if they're, if they're comparable. You know, like like if you could say, hey, i you more... That's how strongly you feel about it. Well, no, I just think they're two different things, really. I mean, you know, it's like they're both watery, but it's like, do you, I don't, it's like I'm trying to think of a comparison, like bourbon and and a beer, like you're going to like one or the other, but they're they're not even actually comparable in some ways. They're both alcohol, just like beach, pool, both water, you get in, Yeah. but very, very different experiences, you know what I mean? So anyway, yeah. I'm with you 100%. That's why I think if you like down there was t- all around the beach, everyone has a pool. When that's, I was younger, I thought everyone here lives by the ocean. Why in the world do they have pools? But then you go to the ocean and you realize that's a lot of fun. That's that's ocean beach thing. It's very different than the pool thing. Yep. It so. is very
0: different. Now, I will say not everyone around here has pools. Now, there mm. it is certainly a wonderful feature. So as we were looking for rentals, we wanted to find a place with a pool and a place mm-hmm. with a pool. The place we're staying is not terribly expensive by any means, but it was a few dollars more than a place without yeah. a pool. Yeah. So pools are definitely something that people prefer. Mm-hmm. But because yeah. of how close it is to the ocean here, people, not every place has a pool. But you go down to Florida and it's like, dude, every every place seems to have a pool. Yeah. Hey,
1: are you going to get a pool in your house?
0: No, okay. We we are not. Okay, just want to know. No. Are are you are you kicking around that idea?
1: Is that what We this are is? not actually, um, totally not in the uh, the budget. Or um, so I grew <laughs> up like kind of with a pool. My parents got a pool when I was uh, thirteen. Okay, and my parents still use it all the time. So they have got their money's worth out of that thing for sure. Uh, well done. They're they're a lot of work. They're a lot of work. Rob, I want to ask you a question. I I don't know if it's happened yet, but you were you were training. You had spent months and months training, mentally preparing. You had a uh, fitness coach. You had a, a psychologist um, t- for, for a <laughs> combine. Tell us a little bit about that, Rob. Tell us how it went for you. Uh, are you pleased with your performance? So,
0: the, really, yeah. the only thing I wanted to do was I wanted to put up 225 for bench. On the bench. Okay. Everything else, I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm not going to win the punt 'Cause what we do okay, so here's what we did for Fantasy Football League. We did a combine to determine the draft order. And we had, I believe it was four events. We had bench, we had a forty yard dash, we had a vertical, and then we had a punt. And okay. So we have a division one punter in our league. So I knew mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna win punt. Did and he win? I, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, th- I thought well he won he won the punt. He didn't win the whole yeah, thing. That's what but I meant. I thought I was going to win the forty yard dash, but somebody just inched me out by mm. like a tenth of a second, which I was in by, but Can you
1: tell me your time on the forty?
0: It's not impressive by any means. Well, I mean, you're not a you're not a
1: yeah. any more <laughs> collegiate definitely, athlete. Got, <laughs>
0: definitely gotten slower. Uh, it was it was five seconds flat. So okay. that's not good. But not good compared beat, to what who, though.
1: I mean, be honest. Like well, compared, mean, compared to, to, professional, to athletes, like professional athletes, exactly. So let's yeah, don't yeah knock like yourself down is, there too. That's good.
0: Yeah, thanks. Well, uh, anyways, the uh, <laughs> and then vertical, I not too did not to win that by any means. Yeah, um, and then uh when it came to bench, so the way they did it was they said here are the levels: one thirty-five, one eighty-five, two twenty-five. So it was whoever those are the levels then whoever gets the most in each level so if you get okay um 100 reps no one did this but if you got 100 reps of 135 and only got one rep of 185 Mm -hmm. then you're higher up than the dude who did 135 so but if you tried to get one rep of that higher uh, level and you failed then you have zero and you're at the bottom of the list Dang. So it's a little bit risky. And, and yeah. I was right on the cusp of, I knew I could do 185, I don't know, seven or eight times, but I wasn't sure if I could do 225. So did push ups for like a month. I'm still doing them because yeah, it was good for you. Yeah. Ben, the other elder at our church, was like, hey, here's the plan. And he gave me all these things to do. And I just kind of focused it on the push ups because that was the primary thing I wanted. And just did all these push ups and ended up getting 225 twice. So I was happy with that.
1: Hey, way to go. Way to go. Yeah. So that
0: did certainly you, didn't win it. The, the guy who got the most got like, I don't know, 13 or
1: something like that. All right. So who won? Who, who won the, the draft thing? Uh, a guy named Holland. Adam. I don't okay. think you've ever met him. Way to go, Adam. Tip of the cap to you, sir. Tip of the cap. Was he the guy who also won the bench pressing?
0: No, no. Yeah, that, okay. was, that was Murph. Murph, Murph. won bench and the punt. Yeah.
1: Ben? Did Ben win vertical? Um, Did Ben win vertical?
0: No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm, I think so. Virgil won vertical. That guy's got some got some ups. Yeah, but Ben we, Ben had a had a great vertical. Good so. job, Ben!
1: Way to go! Way to go! Well, hey, thanks for the update on that. Um, You're welcome.
0: I know the listeners were just waiting. Ten minutes in, let's just wrap Very this eager up. To hear about that?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so okay, let's. We should uh, put a disclaimer. We've answered long enough.
1: We should do a disclaimer early on in this episode. Like, if you want just the. The rich content, skipped to whatever minute. Yeah, seriously. That
0: Uh, would be helpful. Anyways, we are continuing our study in the book of Joel. Last week, we looked at Joel (coughs) 1, or chapter 1, verses 1 through Mm -hmm. 12. And this week, we're going to finish out chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 13 through 20. So I'll go ahead and read it, and then we can start commenting on it. Joel, chapter 1, starting in verse 13. Put on sackcloth and lament, O priests. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Go in, pass the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God. Because grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and as destruction from the Almighty it comes. Is not the food cut off before our eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seed shrivels under the clods. The storehouses are desolate. The granaries are torn down because the grain has dried up. How the beasts groan. The herds of cattle are perplexed because there is no pasture for them. Even the flocks of sheep suffer. To you, O Lord, I call. For fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and flame has burned all the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant for you, because the water brooks are dried up, and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Mm
1: -hmm. There it it is.
0: So, Rick. Yeah, Rob. Could you give a brief recap of what we went over in the first 12 verses?
1: Yeah, so in the book of Joel, Joel is um, one of the minor prophets, and he's prophesying uh, to the nation of Israel uh, about the Lord's judgment, and he's talking about this invasion of locusts, um, which we we've, we believe was a, a literal invasion. And he begins talking uh, to the elders, saying, "Remember the Lord's judgment. Remember what the Lord has done." And then we see this the nation um, decimated literally my locusts in last episode we looked up rob you looked up some of the pictures um and the like swarms doesn't quite cover it because you think about like a swarm yeah. of bees like a little like a little cloud you know swarming but like the sky is full and they just left the land completely um decimated and what this did was it it, it uh, not only did it lead to great um Difficulty for the people, but also the means of the people for them to make offering to the Lord has been taken from them practically and been taken from them. Um, And the Lord just, or Joel just pronounces judgment on these people for their lack of uh, contrition and their lack of repentance for their sin.
0: Yeah, that's good. Now, Joel is also, he's talking a lot about this coming day of the Lord and he... uh, um brings us up saying that the day of the lord is near and it's kind of interesting because this group of locusts seems to have come in the past but he keeps attributing this act to god's judgment and so we kind of talked about i think it was in the introduction where we talked about how the day of the lord is something that should be feared for those who are not in christ but -hmm. for those who are in christ we look forward to it because it brings um, peace restoration ultimate redemption and so now Joel is pronouncing judgment on Israel, but we never actually see what, um, what their sin is. If you notice that as we read through, he never actually points out what their sin is. And as I was looking into this, um, one, of the, one of the sources that I was looking at mentioned that Joel quotes, it's like seven or eight other books of the Bible, of the Old Testament. And what, what ends up happening is Joel is presuming that the reader of this Mm -hmm. book is familiar with israel's sin because he never actually says what the sin is but he's presuming that you have read some of these other books and you are aware of Mm -hmm. israel's failings and the and their sin and their unrepentance and so when he's talking about this massive event of these locusts wave upon wave upon wave of locusts that have destroyed and he's attributing that to the day of the lord And he's also pointing not only to the past of the Lord's judgment right now with these locusts, but also in the coming day of the Lord, he's presuming that you as the reader have understood like, yeah, you know what, Israel, Israel does deserve this.
1: Yes. Well, and the pattern throughout the Old Testament of Israel's sin is pretty consistent. Um, The Lord brings abundance. The people enjoy that. They forget God, they want to do life their own way, have other gods, and then, then trouble happens. and They want to cry out to God to save them, but they have no on no basis to do so. They've not been obedient, they have not fulfilled uh, their covenant with God. And so as these things kind of pile up, we see Lord the Lord bringing judgment in the form of a locust here in chapter 1. And then even in the exile, the exile of uh, the Assyrians coming in and destroying all of, all of Samaria and all of Israel, and then uh, the Babylonians coming in and taking Jerusalem and Judea. And so you, then you see that judgment coming. Uh, almost all of it's for the same sin for the most part. And if you start peeling back our hearts, man, it's the same stuff. Yeah. I want, I want the things of God. I want the kingdom of God, but I don't want the King I don't want King Jesus. I want he, I want security, I want prosperity, I, I want uh, to know I'm, I'm doing good things and I want people to like me, but I also want to do what my heart wants to do, I want to do things that give me pleasure, um, I want to be selfish, and mm-hmm. I don't want to bow down to God. Yeah. So I do want the kingdom without the King.
0: Yeah, something that um, that we see in verse 14 says, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Joel is calling the people of Israel to do four things here. So, and there, we see four elements of what he's calling mm-hmm. them to. One, a fast. Two, that the people would assemble. Three, that the people wouldn't just assemble, but they would assemble at the house of the Lord your God. And four, that they would cry out to him and look to him for salvation Mm -hmm. and so it it, it is worth noting um i believe it was the yeah the new american commentary points out that for the modern quote-unquote low church evangelical the lesson here is that liturgy so liturgy is just a fancy word for order of service but some Mm -hmm. churches have a more explicit um, liturgical service where it's Mm -hmm. very clear like okay we're now heading into this section so every church has a liturgy but it's a matter of whether or not it's explicit or whether or not it's quote-unquote low church where there's, it doesn't feel like there's much of an order of service. So they say for the modern low church evangelical, the lesson here is that liturgy is not necessarily artificial. That not all spirituality is private and that repentance can be and often should be accompanied by outward signs of sorrow, such as fasting. So as as Joel calls to these people to do these outward things of fasting, assembling assembling at the house of God and then also crying out to God, there there have been some movements in some streams to not mm-hmm. do some of those outward things because people will say, Well, it's just between me and Jesus or it's just between me. It's like my faith is my own. Like I I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good with God. You don't necessarily have to see these things. And there's there's a good Hesitancy of doing outward things because Jesus says, Don't stand on the corner um, Mm -hmm. like some of the Pharisees, trying to just get attention for yourself so you can look righteous. But the lesson here is to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. What we want to do is have those outward signs, Matthew 3 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Mm -hmm. If you are repenting, then there should be fruit alongside with that repentance. And Joel is calling for some fruit here. He says, fast. He says, assemble, gather at the place where God is worshipped. And
1: cry out to the living God for salvation. Yeah, that's a wonderful picture. And really, a a thing that we need to be practitioners of, not just, oh, that's what Joel should have done. That's what the nation of Israel should have done. That's what we need to do. So then we get into verse 15, Robin. It talks about the day of the Lord is near. And verse 15 says, Alas for the day, for the day, for the, the day of the Lord is near. And as destruction from the Almighty, it comes. Verse 16, is not the food cut off before our eyes? And it goes all the way through 16 through 20, talking about just the decimation. There's no grass. There's nothing. The beasts groan. The cattle are perplexed. Um, Verse 19 talks about fire. This idea of fire, like everything's been torched, but nothing green on the earth or in this land anymore. All because of the the day of the Lord. Now, is Joel referring to? to a specific day then? Or is he talking about the end times when Christ comes? Is that... That's a question so, uh, for so, you, Rob. <laughs> that one. Uh, you, in the audience, with their hand. Thank you. Uh, thank, right hand.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, Rob. Yeah, uh, thank you in you. the glasses. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I would say both. And I know that's a a kind of cop-out answer but as i was reading some commentaries on this yeah they they pointed out that that he's likely referring to both he's pointing to that judgment of the locust in the past Mm -hmm. and it's to serve as a shadow of the greater judgment that is coming if you do not repent then that yes that judgment happened but there's greater judgment to come in this day of the lord and so repent repent now which is funny because we get into that verse 15 Mm -hmm. and so as joel is calling them up to this point to repent. He's pointing out the things that have happened. The fields are barren. The, even the the livestock is suffering because mm-hmm. of your sin. All of creation is suffering because of your sin, because of the effects of sin. And now we get into verse 15, and he starts from verse 15 until the end of the chapter to kind of explain what it looks like for um, for this repentance to take place. And so... As we go through, Rick, do you have anything else that you wanted to add to no, um, verse 15? You. Okay, cool. So f- verse 15, he's talking about the day of the Lord coming near. He's talking about in verse 16, is the food not cut off and the seed. And then in verse in verse um, 17 and 18, he continues to talk about how the um, creation struggles, which is just, before we go any further, just a, a note that the effects of sin are always greater than what we can actually see.
1: mm that's so true. That's it's often
0: ta- it's oftentimes easy for us to think, oh, well, this is just me. It's just me alone, um, yeah. or just me and this other person, or it's just me and this small group of people. Like mm-hmm. It's only going to go to, but the effects of yeah. sin ripple out farther yeah. than what we can even see. And now we see in verses 17, 18, um, I said starting in verse 15 is when you see the repentance. It's start, starting verse 19. But regardless, we see the effects of their lack of repentance. And we see verse 17, the seed shrivels under the clods, the storehouses are desolate, the granaries are torn down because the grain is dried up. So commentators will point out that there may have been a drought as mm-hmm. well. So not yeah. only do these locusts come and destroy, but now there's no rain coming because if there was rain, then these things could, be, could grow again and could come back. We don't see any rain coming down, so now the grain is dried up. We see the beasts groaning. And so we see the effects of sin going out further than just the people of Israel.
1: Yeah.
0: And then Joel calls on the Lord. He says, "To you, O Lord, I call. For fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and flame has burned all the f- trees of the field." Now, commentators will point that, and and they'll say there's a chance that there was an actual fire. Whether there was or not, we're not a hundred percent sure because the fire, quote unquote, or the flame, quote unquote, could be just the effect of not having any rain.
1: The drought, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's just just very dry. So, um, there could have been a a large fire, there may not have been, but they point out this is how severe the the drought is, to where maybe it's, because, I mean, right now, how often do we hear about California fires? Like... Australian because,
1: wild fire, wildfires? Yeah, be, because there's not Pretty rain. Cold.
0: It's super dry. And then someone having a, yeah. a campfire, like a beast party. To yeah, right. All these crazy <laughs> things that cause these massive fires. So here, there was a massive drought, caused a um, lot of heartache, and there could have been a fire that, that came about. But then we see the continued, even the beasts of the field pant for you because the water brooks are dried up and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Now, I, I have more I want to say about that, but I've been going for a while. So, Rick, feel free to jump yeah. in and comment. That's good.
1: Now, I, I mean, so it's one of those, this verse 16 through 20, again, you see Joel crying out in verse 19 to you the Lord I call. But you you read this and you just think, okay, this guy's talking to these people. They need to repent of their sin. The Lord's going to scorch the earth. Everyone's kind of groaning, suffering, and that's it. You just, you kind of quit there. You read chapter 2, you keep going. Instead of thinking, okay, what, like, what Joel is referring to, right, both in chapter 1 and here, like in the first part of chapter 1 with the locusts, and now this, this drought, this everything that's been kind of scorched, is, as you had you mentioned this, like, the ramifications of our sin bring about more destruction than we imagine, But also, they, they they, they sap any bit of life in our soul and even our desire to cry out to the Lord. So in the Old Covenant, like again, referring back to the first part of Joel chapter 1, like the means of their atonement, the means of their sacrifices, all the way that the law had structured for them to have relationship with God, a lot of those means had been taken away, right? The, the, the fruits of, of the fig... Tree, the vine, all these things have been taken, and then you see everything else scorched. And so often, the the Lord is gracious to reveal to us our sin and how empty it is, yeah. and how even even we're like, hey, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna dabble in this thing, I'm just gonna take another look, I'm just gonna whatever, I'm just gonna tell a little lie, or I'm just gonna hold on to a little bitterness, and those things bring death. But the Lord graciously, he doesn't do this all the time, but he can reveal to us that if you go down this path, this is what's heading, this is what's going to happen. If you continue in your sin, this is uh, what's coming. Now, we're not going to get into this today, but you see in the beginning of chapter two, and I know this because I studied for the wrong passage today, but you do see Joel beginning to say, like, listen, um... A call to a repentance, a, a warning, and so like the Lord is gracious when He does that, and we should not ignore just the signs, the indicators around of us, around us, of things that are like my heart is dry towards the Lord, my affections there's, there's nothing growing here. Not that there's not dry seasons or hard things, but it's primarily when you're indulging in sin, your affections for the Lord is is dry, they, they uh, shrivel up.
0: Yep. Yep, that's good. So verses 15 through 20, we see the people um, beginning to cry out. We see not only the people, but also the livestock essentially crying out. And um, verse 19, we see Joel say to you, O Lord, I call to you. And so this is an emphasis that (laughs) Joel called only to the God of Israel for deliverance from this. During this time, it would have been a time when um, another ancient cultic um, false god of Baal and so it would have been um, common for many people in that in that time to call out to Baal Mm -hmm. to deliver them from this and Joel is making an emphatic um, statement here that he says to you O Lord I call he could have said to you I call he says to you O Lord and in your Old Testament whenever you see um, the word Lord in english translations all caps that you'll notice that in the new testament um, it usually is not all caps because in the new testament it's a title like master and so you'll see a capital l but o-r-d will be lowercase and that's kind of saying hey hey master um whereas in the old testament where you see lord and all that's all caps that is the translation from the hebrew yahweh and so it's the name of god So when he says, to you, O Lord, he's saying, to you, Yahweh, I call. You, the God of Israel, I call. Not Baal, not any other God, no other God, no other false God even can deliver. But you, the only true and living God, are the one who is able to deliver. And it's on you, Yahweh, that I call. And we notice in verse 20 that even the beasts of the field are calling out to God. Even the beasts of the field pant for you. So Joel making the statement that Yahweh, we're looking to you. And not only we as a people are looking to you, but even the beasts of the field are looking to you. We, we all are recognizing that you are the only one who can deliver us.
1: Amen. So you, you begin to see this uh, chapter one kind of picture. Him calling to the elders saying, remember, remember the, what the Lord has done. Remember the destruction the locust brought. Yeah. And uh, commentators have a hard time kind of pinning down when Joel was written, but most think it was after the exile. And so referring could be referring to the army the Assyrian armies, probably the Babylonian armies, saying, remember like the judgment. And so for those who were young in in the nation, they would not they would would have heard stories potentially. But again, Joel's saying, tell them, remember these things to, to the elders. Into the to the congregations, talking about the destruction of the locusts, and then talking about just this this uh, this dry season. Everything's been decimated by fire, by drought, and a spiritual drought also. A, a drought. There's yeah. no affection. There's no desire for the things of the Lord. And then Joel just ends the chapter with this. Listen, we're going to call to you, O Lord Yahweh, uh, to, by no other. By no other name are the cattle going to be to find water, and by no other name are the, the beasts going to be satisfied, or will the vineyards grow again? There is no other place to turn, even though the nation has turned to all these other places. They've gone down every road and it's a dead end. So we call to you, Yahweh. Yeah. And then we get yeah. in the next chapter, chapter two we get more into uh this day of the Lord.
0: Yeah, it, just a, a final note here as we put a, put a final note on it. <laughs> as we look at this, this phrase from Joel again, <coughs> to you, O Lord, I call. It is worth noting that Joel is calling out to Yahweh not only because he recognizes that Yahweh is the only one who can deliver them from it, but also because he recognizes that Yahweh is the one who has brought it upon them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there, there is a real aspect to where sin will bring on God's judgment, not his final judgment. His final judgment would be far worse but he will discipline the one whom he loves, as we talked about the last passage. But we see him disciplining the one that he loves. And there will be instances in our own lives where God is disciplining the one that he loves because of sin, sin that we have not repented of. And so if you are suffering through something, it is worth looking into your life and finding out or considering any sin that maybe you have not repented of, any sin that you are not fighting. Not saying that that's exactly why you're going through what you're going through. I'd be very hesitant to say that um, COVID or earthquakes or hurricanes are um, God's judgment. But I think there is also room to have that discussion to say, is there, as, as an individual, is there unrepentant sin? As a nation, is there unrepentant sin? And if so, then it's at least an option that this could be the Lord's judgment on people. So, it's also just a byproduct of us living in a fallen world, but we don't have the, the vision to be able to see what exactly um, this is, whether it's um, corrective or whether it is just the product of living in a fallen world.
1: That's a great so, final point there, Rob. I like it.
0: Yeah. I like so it a lot. As we continue to get into this, we'll see um, Joel calling the people to repent and then Joel himself repenting, and then we'll see hope for the future, but that will come in future episodes. Rick, anything else before we close this one out? Rob,
1: you enjoy your vacation, brother. Dude, I'm looking forward to it. soak up the suds. Are you, uh... You gonna take a bath? I was like, what? (laughs) You know when the the waves come in sometimes. You know, oh yeah. Of course. (laughs) And I was gonna make another comment, but anywho, uh, Rob, you enjoy that and, um... Listeners, we always appreciate you guys, well, listening. So if you would uh, do us a favor, you can go ahead and rate this podcast wherever you're listening to it, Um, which I don't even know all the platforms that do podcasts anymore. There's there's tons. So drop us a rating wherever you're listening, wherever you're having a listen. And um, if you want to get in contact with us, check out more. Go to simpletheology.com. .org. org. Come on. How, how, org. What
0: is this? We're almost 170 episodes in. You still don't know the website. I
1: know. Kid <laughs> grief. I do. I do. Yeah, I, do. I just uh, I forget, you know? Look, look, look. Just remember look, it this way. <laughs> remember org
0: because most nonprofits are org. Not that we're set up as a nonprofit, but we are certainly not churning a profit. So, he, so, here's, so here's Just remember church, org. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we put the non in nonprofit. That's um, right. That's right. So when I did our church website, I did org. Because I thought, yeah, we're a non nonprofit. We're like a ministry. We we go with com. Yeah. And then Rob, you're like, dude, no. Like, if you can get .com, you get it. Get it. And so I was like, dang. So you couldn't get SimpleTheology.com? No, that was taken. Huh. What's
0: there? Yeah. Do you know? I don't know. I I have visited it, I don't know, years ago. And it lo- it was something where there's maybe four episodes or something like that. I don't even know if it's a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. But I don't know sure. if we can get it. Regardless. <laughs> um. Yeah.
1: There you go. SimpleTheology.org.
0: Simple dot dot I, uh, I was at the Harbor Network Ohio Pastors thing the other day. Yeah. Which we missed, yeah.
1: yeah I missed, missed you.
0: you. But um, Ronnie was there and people were talking about the podcast and mm. like side hustles and whatnot and all that. And like, about yeah. Our, our podcast? Nope. They weren't talking about ours, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was like, oh, yeah. The tens of dollars that are coming in from that thing are just so, so great. <laughs> yeah tens of dollars baby the dollars that's it the benjamins but those who do support thank you very much we very very appreciate it if you (laughs) would like to support head over to our website sympathyology.org you can find a donate or support button up at the top that's right anyways there's that little commercial peace out
1: y'all looking forward to next week peace out